I think one of the things that we always talk about in the art of policing, if you will, is that sometimes context matters. And if I don't give you everything, then you really can't form a full opinion about the subject that you want to know about. The idea behind this podcast is that we try and look at issues that maybe are complex and try and make them understandable, but also give you the whole picture of what's being discussed. This is our opportunity here at the Walton County Sheriff's Office to answer questions about things that matter to our citizens here in Walton County, Florida, but really are bigger than that, about things that happen nationwide. You're listening to The Art of Policing with Walton County Sheriff Mike Atkinson. This is episode three of The Art of Policing. I'm Walton County Sheriff Mike Atkinson, along with Ms. Corey DeBridney, our public uh, information officer extraordinaire. And for today's episode, we want to talk about um, something that really we get asked about, quite frankly, all the time which is uh, bond and bail, when people are released from jail. What, you know, why is some people's bond X amount of dollars? Why don't some people go to jail? A lot of questions surrounding that. Corey, I think it's some, one, of the, one of the most common things we get asked. Uh, you know, why is this person out of jail? Why is this still a person still sitting in jail? And people tend to compare different cases, right? Sure. So what we wanted to do is kind of really walk through for you at 30,000 feet, um, what this process looks like is, and what is bond and bail, and and some of the misconceptions and, that yeah, people have. Some of the some of the common misconceptions around that, right? Um, and, and listen, you know, it's funny because I was talking to attorneys before I got on this podcast, and you know, they would say, "Don't say this, don't say this, don't say this," because because sometimes if you change one fact, you change or one circumstance, you change the whole outcome of a situation. The purpose for this is not for you to take this as absolute legal gospel. It is to give you guidelines so that you can ask questions in whatever jurisdiction you live. Look, it's going to be different in Washington State than it is in the state of Florida. Somewhat. Or even in judicial circuits. Or even in different judicial circuits here in the state of Florida, right? But the basics are going to hold true everywhere, right? Because a lot of this is already uh, uh, set in... um, by federal law. In other words, it gives us example on federal cases. So that's kind of what we want to do is to give you something that we hope is useful in regard to bail and bond. So let's talk about the basics for a second, because to get bail or bond, you got to get arrested, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. Let's kind of start a little bit. What is an arrest? So a, arrest, you know, I guess the, the legal definition is the authority to deprive someone of their freedom of movement. That's, that's the legal the bottom line is when I arrest you, I take custody of you. That's the short, easy version of you. You can be arrested and not be in handcuffs. If you're not free to leave, I have you in custody, right? But handcuffs and me taking you to the jail is a pretty good sign that you've been arrested. It's a good indication. Right? It's a good indication. Things are not going your way. Arrests are made at uh, a level of proof called probable cause. Now, there are multiple levels of proof. And, and I'm not going not gonna to bore you with all of it, but to simply say this, there is reasonable suspicion, which is not enough to take you to jail. That's enough to detain you and ask you questions. Then there is probable cause. Probable cause is where we make an arrest at. Past that, you get things like preponderance of evidence, right? And then you get things like clear and convincing. And then beyond a reasonable doubt, which is what you need to convict somebody. Preponderance. Yeah, is a, preponderance. Preponderance a, of the that's evidence. That's a four-letter word. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, it's a big word. It's a but big here, word. here's the truth: you'll hear people talk about probable cause, and they'll, a lot of times they'll add a percentage number to it. Fifty-one percent. You know, it's it's fifty-one percent. Well, actually, what the you know what the court says it's more likely than not. So it's not necessarily fifty-one percent. Fifty-one percent is uh, what preponderance of the evidence is. Right. It means it's it is more probable than not which means wow. it's over 50%. I'm not going to lie. When you were talking about that word, I Googled it. Yeah. 
Because, so, but but the term probable cause gets you is is the legal term, and I think what's important for people to understand. And somebody gave me a great a friend of mine who's an attorney uh, gave a really great example to the way to think about arrest. Most of the time, when people are arrested on a warrant, they're really above probable cause. They're really the arrest. Right. The, the burden of proof is usually above probable cause. And the example he gave, and I really like this, which is. If you're speeding, let's say you're going down the road and you're going, and the speed limit's 55. 56, you're speeding, right? But you, you're not going to get a ticket at 56, 57, 58. You're probably going to be doing 65 before you get the ticket. So if you're thinking probable cause, think of probable cause being anything that is over what is necessary to, to for it to be likely that we can articulate that you have committed a crime. That's the short version. People will say all the time, 51%, 51% is probable cause. That's not actually what it is. It's lower than that to make an arrest or to have a warrant issued. So probable cause is when you're arrested. So when we talk about arrest, there's really two categories of arrest. One of them is custodial. In other words, I take you into custody and non-custodial. If you think custodial, that's your traditional, you have a warrant for your arrest, Mm -hmm. right? In other words, uh, somebody has went to a judge They've issued a warrant, and uh, the judge has found probable cause and has signed a warrant for your arrest. And then a, a police officer, a deputy, or whoever goes out and serves this warrant. The second is a bench warrant. Sometimes you'll hear it called a capius. That's a warrant issued directly by the judge. In other words, while in court, the judge, she or he, has said, bring this person before me. That's called a capius, a little bit different type of warrant. Mm. But you're going to go in handcuffs and get it transported to a judge or to jail. The next kind of warrant, custodial warrant, is a violation of probation warrant. A little bit different. It, the mechanism's the same. You're still going to get handcuffs put on. You're still going to get sent to jail. Mm-hmm. And then lastly is a probable cause arrest. That is not a warrant. That is a, a law enforcement or police officer has found that there is probable cause. In other words, articulable facts that is convincing that you have committed a crime. Right. And that's made it a probable cause level. Those are the... Go ahead. Those are custodial. Those are custodial arrest. Right. And that means you're going to a county jail, right? Custody, custodial. Custody, custodial. It's okay. absolutely correct. The second type of arrest is non-custodial. We say, what's a non-custodial? Think of a traffic citation. In other words, you get stopped for driving without a license in the state of Florida. A trooper, a police officer, a deputy has two choices. One They can make it a custodial arrest. They can absolutely make it a custodial arrest, put handcuffs on you, take you to jail. Or they can issue a criminal citation. You never go in handcuffs. You're never searched. uh, Your vehicle's not searched, for instance. You are issued a court appearance date, and Mm -hmm. you're released right down the side of the road. That confuses people because a lot of times people will get a criminal citation, and you ask them, have you ever been arrested? And they say, no, I've never been arrested. That's actually an arrest. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's a like a, a traffic oh. citation arrest. Yeah. The other is called a notice to appear. Mm-hmm. You'll see these a lot for really minor offenses. Non-custodial arrests are for not minor offenses. Things like underage drinking, right? Okay, yeah, so we you, hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah, you hear that a lot or in, 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 a, in a vacation town. You'll see that. Um, uh, we'll issue this, the citation say, you need to appear before a judge this day. It just is not on a traffic ticket. That's a short version. Just like with a traffic ticket, the, the officer can choose to take you to jail. However, they're choosing just to release you and give you a court appearance. It's still an arrest. Mm-hmm. So if you ran it on their, your arrest history, those both of those come back as arrests. So it's important to understand that. So after an arrest is made, like one of three things happen. You're either released on your own recognizance, right? Kind of one of those non-custodial arrests. They're, they're going to release you a citations, a summons, whatever it may be called in your jurisdiction. You'll get a court appearance, so that's one way. The other way is you're transported to the county jail. At the county jail, you're either immediately granted bail slash bond, or it's denied, and you have to go before a judge to get a release, right? Is that for first appearance? For first appearance. So a defendant is afforded the opportunity to post a bail or bond um, in in all state systems. But let's talk about that for a second. Bail is the amount of money that you pay to be released. So bail is the actual amount of money. A bond is the guarantee 
that is posted in lieu of all the money. So when you hear somebody say a bail bondsman, what happens is, let's just say that I go to jail and my uh, bail is set at $10,000. Well, I don't have $10,000, right? If I have $10,000, I pay my bail and I'm released. If I don't have $10,000, a lot of times what I'll do is contact a bail bondsman. The bondsman will come in and essentially stand good for that amount of money. In other words, they will say, we will give a bond guaranteeing $10,000 if I don't show for court. I pay the bail bondsman a percentage, typically 10%, for that policy. So on a $10,000 bond, I will pay $1,000. Now, if I don't show up for court, the bail bondsman is out $10,000 on this, on this uh, policy. That's why they're so serious about getting their money back. So what it does, it affords people that could not come with the entire amount of money the opportunity to have somebody stand good for them. In other words, the bail bondsman is promising he's the he or she is the guarantor of that money. Does that make sense? So now you can put other things up as a guarantee. You know, in Florida, you can put up a house. You can put up property if you own it outright. You can't put up a, a piece of property that's mortgaged. Right? You have to own it free and clear. Is that when you would see liens? for? Yeah, I mean, you would see. So if I wanted what's called a property bond in Florida, and wow. every state has a version of that. So if I own the property, so you and I can't own it together because I can't put your property at risk. But if I own a piece of property, I can put that piece of property up, assuming it's valued as much as the, as the uh, bail, I can put it up on bond to guarantee that I'll show up. That's called a cash bond system. There are a couple of states that have recently done away with cash bond. Um, we'll see how those work out. That is, that is, you know, there are. You'll hear the plus and minuses of, of those systems. The reality of this bail, cash bail bond system has been around basically since the inception of this country. Yeah. Um, so there's a pretty pretty proven track history of this that people show up when they have something on the line. That's kind of the short version. In other words, yes, we're going to release you from jail. But how do we make sure you show back up? Well, if you don't show back up, you're going to lose this bond that was put up or this bail money that was put up. So it's to ensure. Remember, if you show back up for court, you get your money back. Now, if you pay the bail bondsman, you don't get all that money back because you didn't put up the full $10,000. You just put up the 1000 And I'm using those amounts, but that's generally how, it, how that works. So does that make sense to you, Corey, that somebody's standing in for you? Yeah, I mean, I think, and just for my edification, when I say, you know, this this bail was set at, or is it this bond was set at by a judge, or this bail was set so at So the by bail a judge? is set at amount. The bail is the amount. The mm. bond is the guarantee somebody posted in lieu of the money, in lieu of you putting up the money. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's an opportunity for somebody else to step in, in for you. you what can is, put, listen, people put their grandmothers, put their house up. Uh, it doesn't have to be a bail bondsman. That's a pretty common way, bail bondsman, though. Yeah. What are some circumstances where you would be arrested, and a, and unless it's if let's just say it's it's um, the deputy made the arrest right there on scene. Okay. What are some situations where that person would re be released just hours later, and not have first appearance? Sure. So what happens is if the judge has set an amount on a let's say it's a warrant. Let's first thing say it's a warrant. If he's if the judge has set a warrant, typically it's going to say one thing. This is the amount of the bail or hold till first appearance. Okay. It's going to say one or two things on it. In other well, words, let's just say a warrant hasn't been issued. So if a warrant hadn't been issued and I arrest you for crime X in Florida, and I'm going to use this as a generality, depending what the crime is, in every county they set what's called a bond schedule. Oh. And so for um, certain counties, they take a look, a list of crimes, and they say, for these crimes, this is the bail needed or the right. bond that must be posted. Okay. Now, and I'll give, it, I'll give you an example. Let's just say for theft, petty theft, the bond may be $500. So instead of sitting there to see the judge the next morning, who in the morning is going to say, 
your your bail is five hundred dollars, they already preset it. Hmm. So you can come in if you got five hundred dollars, you can pay it right there, or you can pay the bail bondsman. So you could come in and immediately pay the bail and be released. In some counties. In some counties. Almost every county has a bond schedule of some sort. They just don't look the same in every county. Even in Florida, Florida has twenty different judicial circuits. The bail bond, this the bond schedule is different in just about every one of them that I've seen. And I think I think the common the common question that we get asked yeah. by the public is, in that situation that you're describing, someone gets arrested for a crime X and the bond schedule, the 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 schedule set yeah. and they get released. There's not really any consideration taken into whether that person's a habitual offender, um, whether they're they've been arrested ten times. Right. Or not. And and that's, for some people, that's frustrating. It's a point of frustration. Yeah, and, and so, and even I'll add something to that. Let's just say you and I are both arrested for the same crime. Mm-hmm. There's a warrant. We both committed the same crime. You and I go in. I'm in there an hour, and I and I bond out. And you're there till the next day. And maybe the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. And you say, well, they'll say, well, Sheriff, why did you let him go? Of course, we didn't let anybody go. That's not the way that works. Mm-hmm. But if I'm able of paying bail or bond and you're not, you're not going to get released. It has nothing to do with which one of us is more guilty, which one of us, uh, uh, you know, what part we play in the crime, per se. Sure. It's just that's the bail bond system. Sure. I've guaranteed my appearance by putting up this money or this bond. Yeah. So, you know, that that's one of the things that throws people off a little bit. So how does the bond schedule differ from going and seeing a judge for first appearance. So if you're arrested, you've got to be in Florida, and this is pretty pretty standard across the country, you've got to be brought before a judge or a court of competent jurisdiction inside of 24 hours. So when you hear somebody say, I was arrested and I didn't see a judge for three days, well, that's something's wrong there, right? You've got to be brought before a judge. And the judge will decide, A, did the did the facts warrant you being held? Is there is there probable cause uh, for this arrest? Okay. If a judge has issued a warrant previously, they've already established their probable cause. So that's that's that probable cause has been established. But if a police officer, a deputy, a trooper, whatever arrests you, you'll immediately bought and you don't bond out that night. The next morning, whether within 24 hours, you're going to see a judge. And the judge is going to say, yes, probable cause exists. Here's your bail or bond, or no, it does not exist. And that's that's the short version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one of the things to remember about that is that the more serious the charge, the more likely you are to have to see the judge, right? So if you are arrested for murder, you're not going to bond out that night. You're going to see a judge. If you're arrested for uh, aggravated battery in most counties, you're going to see a judge. Now, it is not the same in every county in Florida, and it's probably not in some states, you know, in, in this county, the county we're in, Walton County, if you commit a felony, you're not going to bond out that night. You're going to see a judge the next morning. So you're not you're not granted a bond schedule. That's correct. If it's not already written on a warrant, if, if it was not, if a warrant was issued in, in advance and a judge set an amount on it. Even if it's a felony. Even if it's a felony, they can set an amount on it, right, if it's a warrant. But if it's just a probable cause arrest, in other words, a judge has not signed the warrant, a deputy, a police officer, a trooper, a special agent, whatever, has arrested you. For a felony. For a felony, you're probably going to see a judge in the morning. That's the short version, if it's something serious. In Walton County. In Walton County, you're going to see a judge, 100%. Now, in another county, in Leon County, Florida, which is capital, let's say you've committed a burglary. They actually have bonds on burglary. So even if you committed uh, a burglary... They may say the bond is $5,000. Okay, they'll issue, you're, you'll pay the burden. Can I ask a risky question? Sure. Why do you think that is in some counties? What what forces counties and judges to have to do that? Is it is it the amount of people they're arresting? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things to this. You know, I think the, the community standards have a little bit to do with that. Um, you know, the efficacy, how, how efficient the court system is there. Um, what is the the tolerance for certain things? I mean, a lot. I think a lot of things factor into that. Sure. Because what happens is a lot of people get in jail, and if they can't pay the bond and bail, remember they have to be kept in a safe facility, right? And mm-hmm. so if everybody was denied bond, well, you know, we, we got a we got a problem. 
And so if they're automatically going to be granted bond, if we know that this is the standard bond and you know they're going to be issued that bond first thing in the morning, what's the difference if they do it in the night or in the morning? That's kind of the one way, another way of looking at that. Yeah. But remember, to not be issued a bail or a bond or the opportunity to bail or bond, you need to have a pretty serious, uh, pretty serious offense. What is that? Murdery, sex battery, person's crimes where people are hurt, or there's a high likelihood of a flight risk, right? So, for instance, if you're arrested on a domestic battery and you're a threat, you're, it's reasonable to believe you're a threat to your significant other, you're probably not going to issue a bail or bail slash bond, or it's going to be so high. That's where you hear these million-dollar bail that, look, you're going to lose everything if you don't if you violate this. That's part of the reason they sit. When you hear these really high bonds, that's what it is. The higher the risk you are to the community, the higher your bail is, bottom line. The higher the risk of you fleeing, the higher the bail. It's got there's got to be a penalty to stop you from running. And in some people, it's so dangerous. You know, if you're arrested for for murder, or double murder, or uh, whatever, the risk is just too great. They're going to make an argument to say, look, the prosecution is going to go to the judge and say, judge, don't let this person out. The risk is too high. But understand, there's a constitutional guarantee for your opportunity to have bond or bail. So it has to be a significant reason to hold you. But but I think Corey and I get this a lot, people reaching out to us going, why did you let these people go? They were arrested for burglary. You let these people go, Sheriff. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way that works. Everybody is entitled to the right to a bail hearing. Bottom line. Doesn't matter whether you like it or don't like it. And a lot of times that happens at first appearance. And a lot of times that happens at first appearance. And a judge has to look at a couple different things. They'll look, really, what is the offense you're charged with, right? Mm -hmm. And then there is a, a, typically a guideline of what they use to decide this is what the bail is for this case. Well, it, it may be different between you and I. You may have stole $100 and I may have sold $10 million, right? It, it can be different. But also, what is my threat level? If my threat level is high, that changes a whole bunch of different things. And, uh, you know, just going out on a limb, I know a lot of things are taken into consideration there, right? Your criminal history, for example, might be taken into consideration for the judge to say what that threat level is. Yeah. But, you know, for the everyday person listening to this, they might be like, if I go in front of the judge for five minutes, how is he going to know what my threat level is? Yeah, exactly. So he's basing that on a couple, he or she is basing that on a couple of things, right? They'll have your criminal history in front of you. They'll have the facts of the probable cause of what you're being charged with. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they have to weigh that out very quickly and make a decision what level of threat is. If you were arrested for, uh, you know, the domestic battery and you say, and in the, you know, as you're being taken to jail, you say, I'm going to kill you the first time I get, first chance I get, I don't care what's going to happen, I'm going to kill you. Guess what? You're probably not going to get a bail or it's going to be really high. That's that's the, kind of the one way of, of looking at that. Sure. So it wouldn't be uncommon for uh, our agency to arrest two different people in two very mm-hmm. different situations with uh, aggravated battery, for example. Yep. And those people get two different bonds. Absolutely true. Possible they get complete because the circumstances can be wildly different. You know, and that's what matters. But to to I get the general public can have a level of frustration with this because they both read aggravated battery, and they see Corey DeBrittany got this and Mike Atkinson got that, and and what we all tend to do is when we don't like something, we don't like the way something sounds or looks, we assume it's illegal or nefarious. You know, there's some secret reason they got it. There there really are a pretty articulable set of facts that judges decide uh, why and how they're going to set a bond. You know, it's it's not exactly willy nilly. They they really give some give some thought to this. And there's to your point, they're having to make these decisions in the morning based on the facts they have at hand. Mm-hmm. They don't have all the facts. Mm-hmm. You know that that can make a big difference, right? And think of it like this: even with in those kind of cases, they generally always set bonds. Quite frankly, at some point, you're probably going to get an opportunity to bond unless you are just so such an obvious risk. Remember, you're not guilty. And so they have to weigh that into consideration as well, too. So a lot of times what you get is conditions on a bond. In other words, I, you're going to be released on this bond and it's you know, a bail or bond that is, let's say it's $50,000. So that means you came up with what? $5,000 mm-hmm. if you used a bondsman. If you didn't use a bondsman, you either paid $50,000 for the court to hold 
or you put up $50,000 worth of collateral that you own free and clear. But there could be stipulations. But there could be stipulations. And that stipulation can be no contact with the victim. That stipulation could be uh, drug testing. That stipulation could be checking in with a pretrial release officer. Uh, electronic monitoring is one we see a lot. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of no contact with any of the witnesses. You know, So there, there can be, judges can set stipulations that, that, that are reasonable and appropriate to ensure the safety of the citizenry. So you'll see that a lot as well too. So on the surface, you know, we going back to my example of two different people getting arrested yeah. for aggravated battery on the surface, it looks like they both got, let's just say $10,000 bonds. Um, while one may have stipulations that are much more stringent sure. than the other. Sure. sure. So underneath it, it looks like it's the same, but it's not. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing is, I think the court try to do a good job, particularly here in Florida and, and you know, where they understand that are people that are arrested for, and you can't see my air quotes if you're listening to this, which is our petty crimes, right? Petty theft, your shoplifting, disorderly intoxication, trespassing, things like that. And a lot of people that get arrested for those things are of very low economic stability, right? So the problem is if I arrest you for stealing uh, shoplifting steaks or shoplifting whatever, um, I was going to say CDs, but nobody listens to CDs anymore. Shop, <laughs> oh, you're showing your age. Yeah, shoplifting, you know, Grand Theft Auto game, right? Uh-huh. Let, let's say a you PS5. Did, uh, yeah, a PS5. Let's say you shoplifted a PS5. That's actually a good one. Let's say you shoplifted a video game system. Uh, but you're of below average uh, socioeconomic standing. In other words, you're poor. And the bond, let's say he sets the bond at $500. So you only need $50 to get out. But you don't have $50. And a bail bondsman's not going to come out there if you haven't got the $50 to pay them. So you don't have the $500 to pay the bond or the $250 to pay the bond, and you don't have the $50 to pay the bail bondsman. A lot of times what a judge will do, if you have no other history and it's a minor offense, they will issue a pretrial release, which is they're going to release you with no money down, but they're going to put these conditions on it. Whatever that condition is, you report to the officer, uh, you know, you report to a county probation or county pretrial release or some version of that. So a judge can release you with no money. They can say, look, I'm going to release you, but you need to have no contact with X and you need to check in with pretrial release. So that's not uncommon on, on minor offenses. And one of the, or if you have no history, you know, you've never been arrested for anything in your life. You've got to, they take a look. Do you have a job? Are you stable? Do you have a history of substance abuse? Do you have a history of violence in the past? If you have none of those things, you may be eligible for this pretrial release without any uh, bond. So, I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of different ways to bite the apple that they have to look at and make a decision. Because here's what you don't want. You don't want somebody that's in there for stealing whatever, the PlayStation. We use that as an example. And they sit in jail for 90 days, 60 days. Well, it mm-hmm. costs about $80 a day, up to $100 a day to hold somebody in jail. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get them to court, we've spent, you know, $5,000 on them. For you did something. some quick we, math yeah. there. I had to pull out yeah, my yeah. calculator. So we spent, you know, $5,000 on them before, see that, we, uh, <laughs> before we have even got court appearance. Yeah. It's in nobody's best interest for us to pay medical bills, feed, house, supervise somebody for 69 days over a crime that even if they were convicted, they wouldn't get probably that amount of time in jail, right? So sure. they have a lot of jails that get in trouble. This is what gets them in trouble is they have a high number of people in jail who cannot pay a bail or bond. I mean, that's the, and it's not that the crimes are necessarily so serious. They simply can't make it. And then you get into overcrowding. And you and I talk about this a lot. And and your approach to um, reducing recidivism is a lot different than, than many other sheriffs in the state, even in the country. Right. Um, and you, you have expressed over the years your point of frustration with, let's just say, somebody getting arrested for driving on a suspended license. Sure. Let's just say they have no other offenses or, or minor offenses right. in addition to that. You're essentially talking about a couple hundred dollar fee and keeping them in jail for a long period of time that ends up costing the taxpayers more money than, yeah. than the actual well, crime did. You know, and so we say this a lot. So I can convince you that, I mean, I can make a moral argument why it's wrong, but if that doesn't work for you, Here's a fiscal argument. We're spending a whole bunch of money to show them that, you know, they, they stole something for $50, and again, we spent $5,000 on it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Sure. And I think a lot of judges are at the point now where they're they're trying to deal with this and help manage these jail populations. Uh, listen, several states have done away with, uh, with cash bail. 
in, in a couple of those states, uh, New York, New Jersey, Illinois is now considering. They've done away with the cash bonds. Proponents say, listen, it makes it more equitable. It makes it fairer. And they say it has no effect on, on jail populations, per se, diversity. Um, the, the problem is zero bail that we found that we looked at in New York were arrested at a rearrested at a seventy percent higher rate than Holy people that post cow. cash bail. So yeah. that's a pretty pretty significant number, right? Is that because they don't have any skin in the game? Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's the argument, right? The argument is, and I'm not making the end all be all. Uh, there should be no cash bail. I'm just telling you that's what it looked like initially in New York. Um, failure to appear in the first year of no cash uh, bail in Illinois in Cook County. Failure to appear. In other words, we released you. You didn't have to pay a. You didn't have to bail, bail or bond. You just promised to show back up. There was a twenty percent increase in the first year of people who didn't show. Mm. So that's just about one in five. Or excuse me, one in four that didn't show. And you're essentially putting an even greater strain on your system. Well, that, let me add to that. Of that twenty-two percent of no shows in this is in Cook County, Illinois, in their first year, the reoffense by those people jumped forty-five percent. That's in all crimes, but their violent new offenses jumped 33%. Same kind of jumps were in, in New York as well, too. Look, this is not me advocating for or against, you know, and, and, and I think the long-term study, there because there's people who say, listen, it's the greatest thing ever to do no bond, no cash bail or bond, and it's unfair and unethical. Here's what I say about that. Let, let's look at it and let's be honest about it. If you're, if you're coming in there and you're trying to you know, you have an opinion, and now you're going to try and find the facts to justify it. That's not how science is done. That's not how good public policy is done. We need to look at the facts. And the truth is, there's some pretty significant uh, there's some pretty significant jumps in those places. Could there be other reasons? Maybe there is. I, I don't know that at this point. But I think to dismiss and say there's no effect from doing away with cash, bail, or bond, I haven't seen any evidence to support that yet. Now, yeah. I, I'm open to hearing that if, if it is. But don't just say, you know, We've made this decision because I'm not sure that it's there yet. The feds have done away with cash bail and cash bond. So we're going to see how that works out. When did that happen? Pretty recently, as I understand. I'm not super familiar with the federal system, but as I understand, that's something they've done transition to in the last couple of years. Wow. And so, like, go back to the effect and um, what that looks like for people, again, just regular people who live in our community. If somebody gets federally indicted they could potentially be back out on the street? The same day. That's insane. Yeah, well, the same thing under, yeah, so you can, th this is one thing. Yeah, because I think most people think yeah. being federally indicted is is much bigger of a deal than sure. being arrested by a deputy, for example. Sure. I, I think when you're federally indicted versus, you know, prosecuted by the state, those yeah. are, those are yeah, two I mean, there's, there's just misunderstanding. And we get, and again, we, we said this a little earlier, but we get calls from, the, not just the feds, we get calls from the state system, people saying, well, wait a minute, didn't, he was just convicted, or they were just arrested, not so much convicted, but just arrested, and I just saw them at the store. How is that possible? You, you let them out, Sheriff, you, you know, and they just don't understand. They are entitled to their day in court and, and are presumed innocent until that time. Mm -hmm. And they, are, they have a right to bond or bail consideration. That's, that's the law. Um, you, listen, we couldn't hold everybody without some level of bail or bond. And it's a system that we've used for a couple hundred years in this country. It's not perfect, but it certainly uh, is better than anything I've seen so far. And that's what we're waiting to see. Maybe something, come, something better comes along. And when it comes to indictments, you can be indicted and not be booked into a county jail or a federal system. That doesn't mean you're necessarily arrested. It means you could get direct filed into a court case. Wow. So an indictment in and of itself doesn't mean that you are going to suffer a custodial arrest. It may mean they immediately set a court hearing. Hmm. It can mean that you're arrested. Let's, let's use the cases with President Trump right now, right? So there's four indictments in multiple states, one mm -hmm. of them federal. He was only booked in one state, which was the state of Georgia. He was arrested in Georgia. So why, why was he arrested in Georgia but not in the other three indictments? It's just different. They chose to do it differently. So that's that's one of the things that people, I, again, I don't think understand that it can look totally different. Yeah. Um, and it can be very frustrating to the victim or to the general public when they don't understand. And, sure. And I listen to our judges get beat up on this pretty regularly, too, which is, you know, they they make a decision to issue a, a, a bail or bond amount, and people, they want them these people held in jail. 
They don't think the bond's high enough. But but there's you know judges have to they have to justify the actions they take if they get outside normal parameters, right? Yeah. So one of the things the Supreme Court of Florida just you know uh, advocated, or the Florida legislature, was that setting a minimum on certain offenses. And if you go below the minimum, you're going to have to the judge will have to explain to a Supreme Court why they why they issued a preset bond below this minimum. Sure. And it's, it's a way to try and ensure continuity. You yeah. know, and every state's going to be a little bit different, but it's that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah. And and we probably should have talked about this um, at the beginning, and maybe we can touch on this in a different in a different podcast too. I think that people think of when you're first arrested and you go to jail. That they're they're thinking prison. Yeah. And right. they're not understanding the difference right. between the two. So let's so let's talk about it just for a jail as opposed to prison. We get that a lot. Mm-hmm. A, a county jail and, and in Florida, and it's pretty similar across the nation typically holds two people. People that are sentenced less than 365 days, less than 365 days uh, sentence, right? Or they are awaiting trial. They are pre-sentenced. They have not been convicted. Typically, a misdemeanor is anything that is a sentence of 365 days or less. A felony in Florida is anything where you can be sentenced to state penitentiary or state prison, mm-hmm. which is a year and a day. You have to have anything over 365 days, you're going to go to a state prison. Yeah. So if not, misdemeanors or felonies where they are sentenced less than 365 days, you're going to be in a county jail. Or you're awaiting trial, you will be in a county jail. Pretty, yeah. pretty standard across the country. Maybe some deviations, but that's generally the rule. People use that term all the time. They were booked into prison. Prison is a conviction. You have to be convicted in in a court, a state court, and sentenced to a state prison. Yeah. So if you're arrested, you know, after let's just say you're arrested yeah. for DUI, you are not getting booked into a prison. Yeah, you've never. You're going to a county jail first. Going to a county jail. If you do get sentenced um, on something like a well, DUI, so DUI, you're not going to go to prison for a DUI, right? Unless right. it's DUI manslaughter. Yeah, a DUI, you've hurt somebody badly. You're multiple DUIs. Sure. But there's no mechanism for you to be arrested for a misdemeanor and sentenced to a state prison. Right. Right. If so, it's a misdemeanor, you're not going to prison. And, and, and you're right. They, people use those terms. Yeah. So when you're talking about federal indictments and you're saying sometimes those people never make it, they never get booked. Um, you're talking, they never go somewhere and get a picture taken and all of that right. stuff. Exactly. Until, yeah. until after their trial. Until after, after they're they're, they're convicted, trial. yeah, or not, or they could the, the court may choose to have them arrested post indictment. That's a prosecutor's decision whether mm-hmm. or not they turn themselves in. And look, we, you know, we do that a lot too. So to be kind of kind of be clear in the state system, if you get a warrant for your arrest, and we know what the warrant is issued, you know the warrant is being issued. Let's just say that that warrant is for grand theft. You have a job, you've had a stable home, uh, you have no history of violence. There is a preset bond. Mm -hmm. In other words, the judge wrote on the bond, $5,000 bond. We may call you and say, go turn yourself in. Mm -hmm. That makes people mad sometimes because sometimes people say, well, you know, Sheriff, he needs to be placed in handcuffs and driven back in the police car. Well, I'm I'm not in the punishment business. That's Mm -hmm. that's not what we do, Mm -hmm. right? If, if, and I've done this before where, for instance, that kind of situation. I'll give you a great example. We had an individual who was uh, at a drug treatment center, mm-hmm. and he walked away from the drug treatment center. He reported back to his probation officer here in this county and said, I realize I have violated my probation. I'm here to turn myself in. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, a warrant has not been signed yet. We're going to warrant get a warrant signed for the judge. The judge signed a warrant. We went by and, and called him and said, hey, you need to go turn yourself in. And there were people mad saying he needs to be arrested and put in the back of the car. Why was he allowed to turn himself in? Two reasons. One, he's already tried to turn himself in, not once but twice. Mm-hmm. Secondly, in his home are three children. Those children are below the age of eight years of age. Does it make sense to go in there and use physical force to do that when he's already tried to turn himself in? We know where he lives. He was trying to comply and has met every court date so far. No, it probably doesn't. We would let him try and turn himself in. Now, if he didn't turn himself in within a certain period of time, we would go pick him up. 
that's that is really just based on the circumstances of each individual. It's a little bit different for each individual. Yeah, we thought he was a risk. We thought he might run. He didn't know anything about it. You yeah, know. and you were talking about non-custodial arrests earlier, and you were giving us examples of what those look like. And the word that I wanted to bring up was discretion. Yeah, discretion. Because in those cases, as a sheriff and as a deputy sheriff, you can use discretion. Absolutely. So, you know what? Here's what I always say. You know how you decide whether or not you like a cop? It's whether or not he gave you the ticket. Because if she didn't write you the ticket, she was a cool cop. And if she wrote you the ticket, she was a jerk, right? I mean, that, I'm being facetious, but it's a little bit of an example of discretion. Mm-hmm. So... What we try and do, there are certain things we're not going to have discretion yet. A warrant is going to get served. Now, we're not going to hold warrants. We'll use that as an example. We're not going to hold the warrant. But if you beat us to the county jail, we're not going high-speed pursuit to catch you before you get to the jail. Does that make sense? Yeah. So a little bit of, a little bit of common sense application of this kind of, you know, kind of matters to us mm-hmm. at that standpoint. We have to go look for these warrants. We're required by law to serve these warrants. We don't get to say we like the warrant. We don't get to say we don't like the bond. We're going to serve the warrant or the KPS or whatever the situation may be. But there, but like the example you just gave um, with the gentleman who tried to turn himself in mm-hmm. after leaving the, uh, the the treatment center, you have to consider the totality of the circumstances Absolutely as well. And having Absolutely. the SWAT team go in at 2 o'clock in the morning when he's got three kids in the house. Does that make sense? Right. right. Does it pass the straight face test, right? Um, so yeah, and I that's mean, all when, those things. So this podcast is called the art of policing. Yeah. And the reason I want to, I want to focus on that is because it is an art and it's a, it, in some cases they're not all the same. Yeah. So a, a law enforcement agency in Rhode Island yeah. may not be conducting yeah, law they may enforcement to do it in different. the same way. So, right. so let's, let's talk about that discretion in regard to warrants for just a second and bonds. Let's just say that you have committed embezzlement and I'm interviewing Corey DeBridnia and we are, we're down to, to brass tacks and probable cause exists for your arrest. And it's going to be a felony. I may, I've really got two options there. You've cooperating, you're cooperating at this point. I can put you in handcuffs and take you right then. Mm-hmm. Or, I can submit a packet and submit it to a judge and have him approve the probable cause first. Either one of those can be acceptable. So why would I have the ju- why would I just send it to the judge right then? Well, a couple of reasons are involved in that. One, give you a little bit of time to get your affairs in order. Maybe you're at the house with three kids right there. Hey, can I get somebody to come take these children? Can I get somebody to do X, Y, or Z? You're still going to be arrested. You're still going to go to the county jail. The mechanism in which we do it is where the little bit of discretion, a little bit of common sense involves in that. Uh, if you're a threat to those children, if you're a threat to run, if you're a threat to uh, re-victimize somebody, all those things weigh in. And it gets to be a de- decision call. Mm-hmm. But once the warrant is served, once the warrant is issued, we have to reasonably try and get that thing resolved as quickly. So we can't give you a week to resolve this. We're not going to give you a, two days to resolve it. We'll give you, okay, you need to get to the courthouse. And, and we have attorneys call the time and say, listen, my client wants to turn themselves in. We believe a warrant is going to be issued tomorrow. Would you please tell us? And he will go turn themselves in. That person is likely to appear in court, right? But if that was for murder, we might say, no, we're not going to do that. Now, if you can get to the jail and you want to sit there and wait till the warrant's issued, but we're not going to, because the, there's a risk element involved in that. Sure. Right? And that makes a difference. And let, let's talk about a. Let's talk about a tough scenario, okay. right? And I just want to give people some perspective on 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 different on different things that they get frustrated about that I see that people sure. get frustrated about. And this is nationwide. You have someone who um, has, let's just say, he served time in, in a jail okay. or a prison, for that matter, for okay. something like uh, battery on a Leo, resisting sure. arrest, and they get rearrested. Similar circumstances, um, and they get uh, they get they get a bail, they get a bond, they're granted a, a bond, mm-hmm. and they go out and they reoffend. Yes, and that's that's a point of frustration for people. I think I think you know, had you not allowed them bond yeah. uh, bail, this never would have happened. And and we see that. Yeah, it I mean, it's, a lot. It, it, it happens a, daily a lot. Occurrence. And it, and what what is the um, 
you know, not what's the reason for that because we we've just discussed it, but what, what, what would you say to somebody who was just like, you know, listen, maybe somebody's life could have been spared. Maybe, um, a crime could have been avoided. Um, if the, if this person wasn't allowed, you know, to bail out, to bond out. So, and I don't want to, um, to pass the blame on this, right? I'm not, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm trying to do here, but I want to be clear. It's the function of the police and policing is not to hand out retribution, punishment, reformation. Our job is to take before the court, right? Mm-hmm. And so the court is going to make decisions. The judges make those decisions. It can be equally frustrating to us. Quite frankly, it can be frustrating to the judge because a lot of times they have rules and guidelines and uh you know if i have any critique of the legal system and and i you know i'm probably get me sued for saying this but here is here's one of the the law in this country is one of those things that every one of us are bound by but we are not allowed to participate unless we have a license for all practical purposes in other Mm -hmm. words if you don't have money if you do not have a law degree it has become so convoluted that the average person really has no chance of representing themselves. I mean, you know, while there may be some mechanism, they really can't. You know, a jailhouse mm-hmm. lawyer is not going to not going to be able to to do anything. You know, and I think I can't remember if it was Madison that said, you know, the law serves no one when it becomes so voluminous that the average man can't use it. It's a paraphrase, but that's kind of where we're at. And so when you hear about people um, that have multiple offenses. What you see on paper is not always what the facts are. It can be somewhat not a good indicator, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other part of that is that, that quite frankly, you know, there becomes a limit to how much they're willing to lock people up. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like for me, and this never made sense to me, is take something like a hate crime. Right? I'll use that for an example. And we have enhanced penalty, and we hear this a lot, enhanced penalty for hate crime. To me, that's a function of improper sentencing. Because if you've beaten me to death, your reason why you did it really doesn't matter, does it, if you were sentenced to, sentenced to me appropriately. And I'm sure attorneys would, you know, judges would, would, would disagree with me about that. But you're just as dead. And if they're sentenced appropriately, we, we won't be dealing with these folks again. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Florida is one of the few states, and a lot of people don't know this, Florida doesn't have parole. We, we stopped paroling people in 1981, give or take. And I hear people all, I mean, most people, you had to be sentenced prior to 1981. Uh, and we hear people all the time, well, they've been released on parole. They were released on parole. Probably not. Probably not. You serve 85% of your sentence in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so think about this for a second. There are give or take um, about, uh, give or take 900,000 people in jails in the United States of America. Let that sink in for a second. So almost a million people. Almost a million people. You're 100,000 shy of a million people in a jail. In a jail. Those are not prisons. That's right. That's correct. In Florida, Florida, there are over 210,000 people on felony probation. 200,000 on felony probation. In other words, they were all that were found guilty or pleaded adjudication withheld to a crime that could have sent him to prison. 210,000 people could be serving time in Florida jails on top of the roughly 100-plus thousand that are in Florida jails to start with. It's dropped a little bit. We're, we're down around 84,000 now. But So if everybody went to jail every time in the state of Florida, there would be 320,000 people in county jails today. Today. So let me stop you there. Mm-hmm. By the way, look, Talk about- another 64,000 in county jails. So 300 and some odd thousand in state prisons, and there would be another 64. So half a million Floridians would be either in jail or prison if everybody on probation went to there. Think about that for a second. Talk about the difference between parole and probation. Yeah, so proba- because people yeah. use those words interchangeably yeah, they interchange- and they are not inter- the same. Yeah, absolutely. So parole, and this is, you know, there are many states that still have parole. Florida doesn't even have a named parole commission for. They have a fender review commission, I think is what they're called now. They've changed the name of it a couple of different times. A parole is when someone is granted a reduction in sentence based on a set of facts 
that would lend themselves to believe there is a level of rehabilitation possible. That's, that's, that is my version of it. It's not the textbook, but it's my version of it. Probation is part of a sentence. You are sentenced to probation. It can be, uh, you know, that you re, a felony probation in the state of Florida means that you could have been convicted, you could have been sentenced to state prison. But in lieu of that, based on a certain set, maybe you're making uh, repayment to the victim, you know, some, some version of that. Um, and so that's why you hear, and, I, I, and I'm, again, this is about giving insight. Yeah. We, um, that's and want. that's why you hear sometimes a person who is convicted of a crime will choose to just serve the sentence because sometimes probation is too much of a pain. That's exactly right. It happens actually pretty frequently. You will hear, we hear people all the time go, I'd rather go to jail than serve my time on probation. For sure. Absolutely. We hear yeah, that. Because we, you, you've got more chance to reoffend. You've got more chance of violating that we probation. Also, then, you know, for us, we look and look at what the offenses are too. So let's just say I stole something for you. If there is a chance to get the money paid back to the victim, makes good sense, right? But let's just say um, that you're on for possession of cocaine. We'll use that as, as kind of a thing. If you can continue to work, continue to get your drug treatment, and you're not causing any other problems, that's probably a good sentence for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so a lot of factors. But talk about discretion. Could the judge have sentenced you to prison? Technically, could have. Now in Florida, they have sentencing guidelines. So if you've never been in prison before, this is you. You may be sentenced up to X. You know, if you've had multiple offenses, up to Y. You know, so there's a lot of factors in that. It's not as cut and dry. I used to hear a lot, you know, maybe a celebrity or an athlete got arrested for shoplifting or for theft or whatever, and people will always say, well, if that had been me, I would have got sent to prison if I wasn't rich and famous. Generally speaking, it's the opposite. They generally get a little harsher sentence because they're famous, quite frankly. The average person, for instance, for stealing a car in Florida does not go to prison. They just don't. Now, we can talk about what's fair and appropriate and what they should be doing. You'd have to steal multiple multiple cars to go to prison. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. I'm not sure that's the best message we should be sending, but that's the truth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And by the way, in Florida, you have to serve 85% of your sentence. You know, and one of the one of the mis, misconceptions is that everybody's being paroled out, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody's getting out and uh, that everybody's in there for minor drug offenses, which is completely not true. Completely not true. And that's yeah. a little different in bail and bond, but it is important for people to understand that. Well, and I think, I think it, it, like I said, we talk about misconceptions and, and you know, yeah. a, a person who has never dealt with law enforcement before, sure. who's never been arrested, may not know the difference. Absolutely you know? they don't. Um, Absolutely. Because they, they don't have to experience it. But um, they are mad when they see somebody that has stolen their stuff, released, uh, you know, the, sure. I thought they were arrested. Well, sure. they're already out. Sure. They didn't, you know, and it's funny because we get a lot of people that say to us, well, you didn't put them in the orange jumpsuit. And it's interesting to me that that is such a big, they, people want to see that pound of flesh too. You got to remember that. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't we put them in an orange jumpsuit? Because if they, for instance, if I arrested Corey and she's going to the jail and she's got a $5,000 bond or $5,000 bail and she's got $5,000 on her. Why would I put her in a jumpsuit, put her in the back, put her through medical, send it all there, then bring her all the way? She's going to bond out right now. If you can bond out as soon as you get there, we're not taking you all the way to the back. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, that's just to punish people, and that's not the business we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? You know, we could talk about. Yeah. We could, we this, is, this, is a, this is a very challenging and, like, obscure, like, you could talk about this for hours. So let's just go through. I'd like for you to just run us through. If someone who had never been arrested in their life, yep. what would it look like? Um, and, and What let's, do they do? Tell me what they did and I'll tell you what it looks like. So let's just say somebody gets in a crash and it's discovered that they don't have a valid driver's license. Yeah. And they get arrested. Okay, great. So that's a, so that's a good example. A couple things can happen. One, a police officer, deputy, trooper, whatever situation, could make the decision not to take you to jail. They could issue a criminal citation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's totally the discretion of the deputy or maybe an agency policy. So they could write you a notice, uh, a criminal citation, say, appear in court on this date, right? The second thing is they can say, no, based on the circumstances, I think it's appropriate for you to go to the county jail to be booked. Entirely their decision. Put you in handcuffs, search you, 
put you in the back of a patrol car, and then they're going to drive you to the county jail. You're going to get to the county jail, and they're going to say the bond for the bailer bond for this offense, I'm going to make this up as $1,000. And they're going to say, Mr. Brittany, do you have $1,000 uh, on you? Do you want to post bond or bail? And you're going to say one of two things. Yes, I have $1,000. I want to pay it, put it on my credit card, whatever the situation. In which case, we're going to take your information and we're going to release you right there. Option two, uh, you're going to say, I don't, but I want a bail bondsman to come. You're going to call one of the bail bondsmen that's probably right around the corner from the jail. They're typically pretty close to the jail. Mm -hmm. They're going to come around the corner. They're going to post $1,000. They're going to take $100 from you, and we're going to release you. You're going to stay in your street clothes the entire time. You'll probably be in and out in an hour or two. Mm -hmm. If you are, you tell us, listen, I can't pay the bail bondsman, and I don't have $1,000. We'll say, then you got to see the judge, in which case we're going to change you, change you out of your street clothes, mm -hmm. and we're going to take you back to uh, back to the general, uh, the pod where inmates are held, and then in the morning you will go see a judge within 24 hours. And the judge may say, Mr. Bridnia, you have no history of being arrested. You've got a good driver's license. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to release you on your recognizance. Very common. Mm -hmm. Or he may say, I'm going to release you, but you need to have uh, – check in with the county or pretrial supervision. So all those, those are the options. Those are the options. So every step along the path, something can happen. And how what decides what pathway you go down really depends on a couple of different things. Listen, if you're jumping up down, cussing on the side of the road, you're probably going to go to jail, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you are, you know, fighting the whole way, you're going to go to the county jail. Mm -hmm. But you may go anyway because the circumstances may dictate, you know, that that's going to be officer discretion on part of it. When you get to the county jail, the decision is really going to be whether or not you have the financial means to do that. And if not, you're going to have to see the judge. But let's just say you come in, first appearance are generally held at the same time every morning. So if you come in, and it's usually around, let's call it 7.30, 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So let's just say that arrest happens at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. We're probably not going to change you into uniform because you're about to have first appearance. We're going to wait and see what the judge says mm -hmm. because we think the judge is probably going to say, just sure. release her, release her on recognizance, right. right? If you come in after first appearance, let's say you came in at 10 o'clock and the judge has already held first appearance for the day. The next first appearance isn't scheduled until the next morning. The next morning. But I can't hold you longer than 24 hours. So we have to arrange for you to see a judge before 24 hours. Mm. Now, it's probably not going to be within 30 minutes. It could be 8, 9 o'clock the next night. Could be what It's probably going to be in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. But we always worry when people come in really late at night, we try to get them to first appearance mm -hmm. so that we don't violate that. We can't violate that 24-hour rule. Mm. But that's kind of a rundown of how it happens. Yeah. And, and people get upset. You know, a lot of times we'll arrest somebody and say they're out of state. Let's just say that you've got a warrant and you're out of state. And I get this question a lot. Are, are we going to come get you? If you're in Walton County, the answer is yes. We're gonna, I'm going to send somebody to come get you from Alaska. Mm -hmm. But not every jurisdiction does because sometimes they say you're just so far away, the warrant is so minor or X, Y, Z, we're just not going to get you. We routinely stop people that have warrants. We handcuff them. We hold them. We call the state we notify the state they're in. Say, listen, you got a, a warrant from Rhode Island for whatever escape, mm -hmm. and they say, no, we're not going to come get them, and we let them go. And that so that that is called extradition, right? Yeah, they decide whether or not extradite you across uh, state lines, but they can say, look, we're not coming to get, we're not coming to get you. Mm -hmm. Florida will generally come and get you, but a lot of warrants I've seen a lot of warrants that will say surrounding states only. Yeah. Because they don't want to go get you for a theft in Boise, Idaho, and spend a thousand dollars, which would exceed the amount of you maybe originally stole. I, I actually don't like that. I don't. I, I think if you committed the crime, it costs money to do this business. We're gonna go get you. Yeah, and that that would look different. Say if they let's just say um, we did pull somebody over and they had a warrant that was they had extradition in the state that they had the warrant in. That's going to look different when um, they get booked into our jail because 
they are not going to be allowed bond. They're, they're not going to be allowed bond. They're going to sit there. They're going and to sit there and for a long time. By the way, that's not just in our state. That can be in different counties as well, too. So, for instance, if the warrant is out of Walton County, mm-hmm. and it would be something that they normally could be released on very easily if they were in Walton County, but they're not in Walton County. They're in another county. A lot of times they have to be extradited back to the county before they're bonded. Yeah. So it just depends what the judge says, what they write on that ticket, what the reasoning is. But I, I don't think, I think a lot of people understand when it comes to warrants, the, the police, the trooper, the sheriff's office have very little discretion with that. If a judge has issued a warrant, you are going to jail. Bottom line, you're going to jail. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that people think, you know, we, we typically highlight arrests, you know, where warrants are issued and people are like, oh, you know, there's more to the story that they should have never. If you have a warrant issued for you, there is probable cause. There is probable, probable cause. cause. And like you talked found, about earlier, yeah. um, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good reason. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And by the way, it was probably if they've issued a, it's the the level of proof of probable cause is below 51 percent. If a warrant's issued, they're just about always issued way in excess of probable cause. Yeah. Sure. The other thing is the state has 30 days to decide whether or not to formally charge you hmm. in this state. And a lot of times, one of the decisions the state makes in whether or not to formally charge you is likelihood of successful prosecution. Um, so so give you an example. Let's just say that you're in, in, you got arrested for this warrant on petty theft. And you couldn't make bond. And maybe it's felony petty theft. Maybe you've had multiple petty thefts. You're a, con- you're a frequent flyer. The state may decide to sentence you time served. You may never get back before the court. And they may say, you know, look, you've already been jailed 20 days. That was all, or 15 days. That's all we we're going to ask for. Anyway, we're going to release it. And the other thing is sometimes they make a decision not to charge. Keep in mind, just because they make a decision not to charge doesn't mean you're innocent. It means they made a decision not to charge because they may spend X amount of money to go all the way through this process, and the most they were going to get if you went through the process is what you've already served. It just depends. That's a decision the state has to make. Yeah. So the you know not charging or dropping a charge past that doesn't mean that somebody's innocent. We get that a lot. We have people call us a lot. And go, I'm going to sue you for false arrest because the state dropped the charges. Well, keep in mind. All you have to have to make the arrest is probable cause. If you've seen a judge, he said there's probable cause. She said there is probable cause. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. And if there was a warrant, they said there was probable cause before you got to the jail. Yeah. So unless we lied, unless somebody lied on that application, probable cause there. That's why I've, I don't know that I've ever seen a successful false arrest case, you know, from that standpoint, because it's typically probable cause is not that high of a threshold. Well, a lot of times we don't make arrest on probable cause. The state doesn't like, a lot of times your prosecution doesn't like probable cause arrest because the threshold is actually really low. It's actually really low. They think less about probable cause and more about successful prosecution. Because one thing they have to say is, should they move forward on a case that has a low likelihood of prosecution? So let's just say I get probable cause and get a warrant issued and it's, you know, my maybe it's 35% chance. The states, man, I got to get to 90, 95% to get to conviction. Yeah. It's not worth our time to do that at this point. It's going to be too difficult to do that. So there's yeah. a lot of factors involved in this. Yeah. It's frustrating. I get it. It can it, be frustrating. Well, it's, I think it's but remember, just... it's designed that 10 innocent people go free, you know, and then 10 guilty go free before one innocent person is prosecuted. So... And, and that's for a reason. It is for a reason. Yeah. It is for a reason. But I would say if I if I hear one of the biggest complaints of the public is they expect us to be the person that hands out punishment. And that's not our job. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely not our job to hand out punishment. We are one arm. We are one arm. Mm-hmm. Of the judicial system. We bring them to the court. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that decision has to be made. We're, we're, we're not into street justice. Um if we release somebody, it's because we have to release them. It's not because we want to or don't want to. It's We follow set rules for this. But we get a lot of that because we're the face that people see. And, and another thing, too, the, the, um, you know, the, the alternate may be true. And not trying to open us up you know, for criticism, but let's just say a trooper or another agency or even us, for example, or a judge signs a warrant, a bench warrant. Mm-hmm. 
and they go to our jail because in Walton County, we are over the jail. And people say, you are wrongly holding this person. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Get that a lot. We, we don't have any say sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know? well, most of the time we have no say in that. That's not something we, we have any real control over. We're going to follow the law. I mean, it's not, we don't arbitrarily and capriciously decide which ones we're going to, to follow and hold. Mm-hmm. We don't let somebody out because they're somebody's buddy. Or, you know, that's another one you hear a lot. If they're released, they're released because they posted bail or bond or a judge has said let them go or it's end of sentence. No other way you're getting out of a county jail. Yeah. You know, not because the sheriff went down there or the police chief went down. We hear that a lot. And I guess that's one time if you're frustrated, it's something that sounds good or feels good to say. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. You know, because there are rules and you have to explain why somebody is released. Yeah. Well, we hope this this was insightful yeah, for I, I hope for so. Folks. I mean, we realize it's a complex subject. So, 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 you know, remember, bail is the amount of money. Bond is the guarantee put up for that. Bail and bond is something that is re- used so that you can be released pending uh, further judicial action. That's the short, as short as I can make it from that point. But we understand it's complicated, and we hope this allowed you at least some insight on how this works. And uh, as always, you can email us, hit us with a question. This is not to be taken as absolute legal uh, advice uh, you know, nationwide. These are just a 30,000 view of how this stuff works. So we hope you enjoyed it. And we look forward to joining you join us again uh, next time on The Art of Policing. Thank you.